All right, turn your Bibles to James chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 7 through 12 this morning in this series that we have entitled called Full Length Mirror, walking through the book of James verse by verse. I hope you've been encouraged in your walk with the Lord, challenged in your walk with the Lord, convicted in your walk with the Lord with what God has shown you as we've walked through this book, five chapters to be exact, closing it out next week. And I've said this every week and I'm going to say it again and I've been, and we'll say it next week. The reason why we've called this message and this series, I should say, not message, but this series, full-length mirror, is because when we think about the purpose of a mirror, it really is threefold. It shows you who you are, it shows you how you are in the moment, and it shows you what needs to change. And the same thing is true in our walk with the Lord with God's Word, that God's Word is described as a mirror in James chapter 1, and God's Word does the same thing as a physical mirror does. It shows us who we are. Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Do I need to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Not in the good that I've done to give me a relationship with God in a home in heaven, but am I a follower of Jesus Christ? I've placed my full weight in Jesus' perfection in place of my sin through his life, death, and resurrection. So it shows me who I am, shows me how I am, it helps me to gauge where I am in my walk with the Lord, and it also compels me and shows me and reveals to me what needs to change in my spiritual walk with the Lord. But more than just showing me, more than me just having good intentions, what the Lord desires us is for those intentions to actually move us to transformation, that we would submit to what the mirror of God's word says and to look to him so that transformation can take place. And so we've been walking through this book, looking at the various things that James addresses, which I don't know if you've realized this or not, I'm sure you have, that the very same things that James is addressing in the first century church are the very same things that we need to be reminded of in our own walk with the Lord and what, how we need to live and what needs to change. And so this morning is for sure no different. And we're in James 5, 7 through 12. Here's the title of the message this morning, if you're taking notes. And it isn't awesome to have AC in here today. Like, like nobody was taking notes last week. Like, you guys, you guys didn't clap for so many things today. And you're clapping for the AC. I'm thinking about a different message right now, but I'm going to stick to what I got. Um, but you were, like, you were fanning away. Well, here's the deal. No fanning today. Take notes. Because here's the title of the message this morning. Growing in patience. Notice I didn't say, I had to pronounce that, pronounce that very uh, carefully because what we're not talking about today is growing impatience. So it's funny, I was with the band in the back and, and I was sharing with them what I was teaching about and Micah was said, wait a minute, what'd you say? Growing impatience? No, I said growing in patience. So I got to pronounce that very carefully. Now, here's what I want to ask, because I like to get an idea of the crowd that I'm speaking to and and know how we relate with one another. Here's, Here's something I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you say that one of the things that you do a tremendous job in is exercising patience. Raise your hand. Okay, because... I'm glad nobody raised their hand. Some people are like, because if you raise your hand, I was going to have you come up, up to stage and read the passage of scripture. Seriously, some of you are like, I'm so glad I didn't raise my hand. 
Because I can tell you right now that this guy standing behind this lectern is so often weak in patience. It's, the fruit, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. So I can for sure tell in my own life that I am growing and in tune with the Lord in my walk with the Lord when I am exercising patience because I am fully aware about something about myself, that I am an impatient person. So think about it, like just to let you into my brain and so we can relate to one another. So here's how mind my works. When I walk into Costco, like we're not promoting any brand today, but when I walk into Costco and I'm at the checkout line determining which one is the shortest line and gives me the least amount of time that I have to wait. That's how my mind is working. Anybody else? Now you can raise your hand for this if this is you. So, and isn't it inevitable that the line that you choose is the slowest line, despite you taking tremendous time to analyze the situation. Am I, am I right in that? Yeah. How about this one? How about at a traffic light? Yeah, that, 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 um, that often causes me. You know what I've actually found is the yellow lights in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, are, are a lot slower than the ones in Naples, Florida. So, so I'm thankful for that. But am I right? Like, oh, it's yellow. I don't want to wait at this red light. Or, or, so let me go. And my front wheels barely crossed the thick white line. I made it. And then you're looking in your rearview mirror for the officer, right? And you're building your case. I mean, I could go on and on. I can't for time. But I think you get my point that all of us struggle with exercising patience. And what we're going to see in this passage of Scripture as we read it right now in James 5, 7 through 12, that James addresses the importance of patience, particularly patience when we're walking through troubles, trials, suffering. So would you look at it with me in James 5, verses 7 through 12? James says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. Until it receives the early and the late rains, you also be patient. How many times it mentions patience? Already three times. And just, I mean... Two verses, because many of us are impatient, so he gets right to the point. Be patient, right? Look at verse, look at verse nine. Do not grumble against one another's brothers, and when he says brothers, he's also meaning sisters, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door, and as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or any by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. 
Here's what you need to understand about the context of this. If you're here last week or, or you listened to it, our podcast, or you watched it online, last week we talked about how James was addressing the rich, the wealthy, them being unbelievers who were lording over and making those in the church who were, who were less fortunate, who were poor by standards of the day, and causing their lives to be extremely difficult because they were not stewarding the resources that God had given them the right way. And so this is connected to that passage of Scripture. And really, when we think about the Jewish Christians that James is writing to, he starts off in chapter 1 talking about trials and the purpose of them. So you're dealing with a group of believers, most of them being not wealthy, and so suffering under the conditions of not having enough. And then you have a group of people that are suffering because of the persecution of the church during this day. So James is writing specifically to a group of people and encouraging them to exercise patience, not at a traffic light, not in a line at a grocery store, but in the midst of difficult times, trouble suffering. So here's the idea that I want you to get today. Here's what I want you to write down today. This, that growing in patience is always a part of God's plan in the midst of life's problems. Growing in patience is always a part of God's plan in the midst of life's problems. The Lord desires once us has purposed for us to grow in this matter of patience. So I think it's important that we have a definition of what patience is. So here it is. Patience is this. A confident belief that God is working his purposes according to his plan for your life and his glory. That's patience. Man, it's a confident belief. That even when I can't necessarily see it, God, and even when the circumstance that I'm in seems to want to cause me doubt, God, I have a confident belief that you're working your purposes according to your plan for my life and your glory. That's patience. And it's not this resignation. Like it's not this sitting on my, sitting in a chair with my hands crossed or my arms crossed and just sitting here and Someone walks by and says, what are you doing? I'm exercising patience. It's not this resignation that I'm going to do nothing. It's an active waiting. And James explains to us through the illustration of a farmer that patience is not this passive type of behavior. It's an active waiting. And he mentions the farmer for a specific reason. Because don't farmers have to exercise patience? Tremendous patience. That's why I'm not a farmer. Tremendous patience. How do they exercise patience? It says there, notice he mentions that phrase in verse uh, verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Here's what he means by that, that in Palestine, there were early rains. And they came in late October and early November. And he would eagerly await these rains so that they could begin the planting process and it would make the seed germinate as best as possible. 
So that farmer's waiting for those early rains so that the seeds that he's planted, remember, active waiting, he's done something, but he's waiting for those rains so the germination of those seeds can happen. And then what would happen is heavy rains would come in December through February, and finally the spring rains would come in April and May so that the harvest could happen. But that farmer had control of one thing, placing the seeds where they needed to be. So his waiting was, it was this confident belief that the rains were going to come. But it wasn't this passivity that, well, God, I I don't have control anyway, so I'm going to basically do nothing and sit on my hands and just believe that you're going to do what you're going to do. Now, there's a human responsibility element. Do you see that? He's planting the seeds, but he also has a confident belief and a trust, and he really has no choice. That, God, you're going to send the rain so that the harvest can come. And that gives such a beautiful illustration of what James means by this word patience. Because all farmers had to submit to the process. They didn't have a choice. I mean, they could sit there and they could bite their nails and they could pace back and forth. But the process was going to be the same. I think so often in our lives, and I can even speak that I'm tempted in my life to want to run ahead of the process rather than believing, wait a minute, growing in patience is always a part of God's plan in the midst of life's problems. He's doing something in me. He's doing something in you. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to answer this question. How do you and I grow in patience in the midst of life's problems? How do we grow in it? And I love that God's word answers that question. This passage of scripture answers that question. Because in verse 8 and verse 10 and verse 11, like he gives us the first way that we do this. Look at what it says in verse 8 again. It says establish. That word means strengthen. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Then you jump down to verse 10, and he mentions, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Then he says, consider Job, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. But notice that he says, here's what you do in order to be motivated to not skip the process, but to actually allow the process and the waiting and the difficulty and the circumstances that you don't understand. Here's what motivates you to grow in patience. You strengthen your heart, and he says, in the coming of the Lord. And here's what that causes me to be compelled to do. And here's what it ought to cause you to be compelled to do. Number one, how do I grow? in patience in the midst of life's problems, I filter what I don't know through what I do know. Can we just admit there's a lot that we don't know? There's a lot that I don't know about what's gonna happen this week. You may say, you may be in something and you're like, man, I think this may happen. I hope this will happen, but there's a lot that I don't know. And the longer you live, the more you realize what you don't know. 
But what I see in this passage of Scripture, and especially in verse 8, is James says, wait a minute, here's what you do with what you don't know. You filter it through what you do know. And James says, here's what we know. Here's what we need to strengthen ourselves in, that we serve a faithful God, and he's coming back, and he's going to right all wrongs. He mentions specifically the coming of the Lord. But what that motivates me to say is we know, we know that Jesus is coming back. We know that, but there's so many other things that we have that are certain as well. They didn't have 66 books. We do. And what I need to do if I'm going to grow in patience is I need to filter what I don't know through what I do know. And when I do that, here's what happens. My trust in God grows. Your trust in God grows. We seldom are motivated to trust God when things are going well. Isn't that true? We seldom are running to God when things are going well. In fact, what normally happens is we start to believe our own press. And we think that we had something to do with the things that are going well. But when trouble comes... Don't we find ourselves almost being woken up to remind ourselves that, man, I've drifted from the one thing that I do know, the one person that can help me, the one person who is constant, the one person who is truly reliable, the one person who's never going to fail me, right? So in when I filter what I don't know through what I do know, what happens is, is my trust in God grows. And he meant, gives two illustrations from the Bible on what this looks like. He points to the prophets. And every one of the prophets proclaimed God's word when Israel was in captivity, when things seemed hopeless. I just think of poor Jeremiah, who's called oftentimes the weeping prophet because Jeremiah was called by God to speak to Israel and to speak to kings and to, to motivate them and share God's word and encourage them to repent and turn back to God. And Jeremiah never saw any fruit in his ministry. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. That was not my calling. You're going to be thankful that the things that God has called you to do, that you've had the privilege to be able to actually see results happen. Jeremiah didn't, but he kept serving the Lord. He mentions Job. If you don't know the story of Job, Job was the wealthiest man at the time, it says in the book of Job, and Satan comes to test Job's faith in God because Satan thinks the only reason he's pleasing God is because God has blessed him tremendously with resources. And so Satan removes all of those things. He removes his resources. He removes his family except for his wife. And he removes everything from Job. And Job has no idea why God is doing that because Job has been faithful to God. It says that he was one of the most righteous men that lived on the earth at that time. And Job has no understanding why God has done all of that. And his wife's telling him to curse God. His friends are telling him to curse God. And Job, though trying to be faithful, begins to doubt what he thought was certain about God. Listen to Job chapter 6, verse 11. Job says this, what is my strength that I should wait What's my strength that I should exercise patience? What has it gotten me? And what is my end that I should be 
patient. See, I wonder if many of us were like, okay, I know I'm supposed to exercise patience. And as soon as we exercise patience, we hit our stopwatch and we're like, God, I'm going to give you a day. I'm going to give you a day. I'm, ooh, okay, we talked about growing in patience today. Okay, God, I'm going to give you three days. And we're often like Job. Job's like, what's the point in being patient? And if you know the story of Job, Job is just attacked from all sides and he starts getting frustrated with God and he starts saying these things to God. And this is what I do want you to turn to. Keep your finger in James 5 and Job 38. God finally answers Job. Okay, Job, I'm going to let you wane on for 37 chapters. Now I'm going to answer you. Look at what he says. He says, then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Job, you don't have a clue what I'm doing. That's the Johnny paraphrase. Verse three, dress for actions like a man. Job, be a man of God. You're doubting today, you're impatient today. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. I will question you and will make it, and you make it known to me. Okay, in other words, Job, you've asked a lot of questions. Now I'm gonna ask you some. Look at what he says. And we don't, I'm not gonna, don't get nervous. I'm not reading 38 through 41. I'm just gonna read verses four through seven. And I want you to say to yourself, can I answer these questions? So if you're doubting today and you're struggling with patience today and what God is doing today and you're struggling and believing, no, 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 growing in patience is part of God's plan in the midst of my problems and you're struggling with that, I want you to read God's word as I read these verses today just to remind you of the God that you serve, just to remind you of what you do know. And allow what you don't know to be filtered through what you do know about God. Look at what he says. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Like God's actually being a little sarcastic here. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Tell me, Job. And that goes on for three chapters. But then go over to chapter 42 because look at Job's response. Like God in his graciousness just says, Job, I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions that you can't answer, that in my love and what I want to do in you, and I'm growing you stronger through these difficulties, like I'm going to actually answer you. I'm going to meet you where you're at, even though I have no, like, I'm not being, I have no reason to. I don't need to prove myself to you. God doesn't need to prove himself to you, but God meets us where we are. And look at the result when Job, after God kind of waking him up a bit, how Job takes what he, don't, what he doesn't know and filters it through what he does know. Look at the impact that has on Job's trust in God. It says, Job says this, I know 
that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is it that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. See, what you have happening here is exactly what we see, the reason why James makes reference to Job in the matter of patience. Because what James is saying is, here's what we do to grow in patience. We take what we don't know and we filter it through what we do know. And when we do that, our trust in God grows. Here's what also grows. Our time with God grows. That you ever find, man, when things are going well, it's like, man, for some reason I don't have time for my time with God alone. But the minute that troubles come, the minute that heartache comes, the minute that uncertainty comes, bam, many of us were right back into God's word. And there's a reason for that because God's about forming our character. God's about creating champions, not spoiled children. My time with God grows. My trust with God grows. And my testimony of God grows. When I'm taking what I don't know and I'm filtering it through what I do know, my testimony of God grows. Because that's what James is doing. He's saying, look at the testimony of the prophets. Look at the testimony of Job. We have many in here who sit among us even today who have walked through hard things but you've taken what you don't know and you've filtered it through what you do know. And I know I can speak for myself that I've been tremendously encouraged by seeing the way that God has been growing you in patience and it actually convicting me, challenging me, encouraging me to do the same. Why? Because you've taken what you don't know and you've filtered it through what you do know. And because of that, your testimony of God has grown. Here's a second way that I grow in patience in the midst of life's problems. Avoid taking frustrations out on those you love. Look at what it says. This is is where this comes from. Look at verse 9. It says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Don't you find when things get ratcheted up, that stress gets ratcheted up, that problems get ratcheted up, that trials get ratcheted up, that, that sin and the consequences of it, we start to experience it. And that when those times happen and they breed impatience, don't you find that you end up taking the frustrations out on those you love and those that love you the most? And what I see in this passage of Scripture, if you read it, you're like, man, how does verse 9 fit into verses 7 and 8? But here's here's what I want to encourage us with. Don't in those times push away the ones that love you the most. And I'm so blown away by this. And so often when we experience problems in our life and trials in our life, the first thing that we give up is gathering together with God's people in God's house on the Lord's day. And we abandon that. And we're pushing away those that love us the most. I wonder this morning if things are going on at work 
And it's causing you to be frustrated and, and, and what God's trying to do in you is grow you in patience, but you're taking those frustrations out at home and you're actually pushing away your wife or your husband, the one that loves you the most. Because in verse 9 it says, well, no, 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 don't grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. See, here's what I've found in my own life. I've been guilty of this. That I take out my frustrations on the one who loved me the most when in reality that's not who I'm frustrated with. I wonder this morning, are you really frustrated with God? Because he hasn't worked according to your timetable. Are you frustrated really with that boss that has wronged you? You're so frustrated with him or her that they've wronged me and I've actually done what was right. And this boss, this employer hasn't seen it, hasn't acknowledged it. And he's actually promoted someone else who hasn't worked as hard as me. And you're so frustrated with that and you're so impatience is growing in your life. And then you come home and the person that you take out your frustration with isn't even the person that you're frustrated with. That's a sign that I'm not growing impatience. Instead of saying, wait a minute, Lord, I'm laying the seed. I'm being faithful. I'm doing what your word says. God, I'm applying your word to my life every day. God, I'm looking at your word. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm reminding myself of who I am. I'm looking at how I am. I'm looking at what needs to change. I'm submitting to that process. I'm asking forgiveness for sin when sin is revealed. God, I'm doing all these things. Listen, that's not a passive waiting. You're laying the seed. You're doing what God has called you to do and wants you to do today. Trust the process that God is going to bring the rain. He's growing something in you. He's growing patience in you. Don't miss that. And it says God is the judge. The reason why he says that is because many of these people, if we look at verses 1 through 6, were being wronged. And they did nothing to deserve it. And what James is saying, listen, you have a God who sees everything. He sees that person that, is actually cutting corners and doing all those things and they get promoted and you don't. He sees that. That doesn't take him by surprise. Take what you don't know and filter it through what you do know. Avoid taking the frustrations out on those you love. And here's the third thing. Don't make promises you can't keep. Here's why I say that. Look at verse 12. It says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Here's what James is saying, that patience manifests itself in trustworthy speech. It's encouraging that, man, the words that come out of our mouths as followers of Jesus Christ ought to be words that we don't say flippantly, but we actually say, wait a minute, I want to make sure I'm known as a man or a woman that what I say, I'm going to keep. I'm going to follow through on. See, often when 
I'm impatient, I begin to operate out of presumption rather than patience. I mean, that was James 4, verses 13 through 16, right? All about presumption. Like, don't just make your plans without submitting them to God. Don't just expect that God's your genie in the bottle who works on your agenda. But oftentimes, what I've found in my life, and it can be true of your life as well, that often when I'm living in this impatient type of behavior, I begin to make decisions and to say things to others out of presumption rather than a posture of patience. And those are the promises that God doesn't want me to make. I'm not talking about the vows that you made to your wife. Because some of you maybe I have a strained marriage and you're wanting to get out of it. And so you're looking for me to say something that I don't mean. So let me be very clear. That's not the promise I'm talking about. I'm talking about promises of presumption, promises that where I'm telling people, oh yeah, I can do that, I can, I can make that happen, oh yeah, I can do this, I can do that, and we make promises of presumption because really in reality, I'm, I'm struggling with a God complex, and I'm impatient with the way that God wants to work things, so therefore I run ahead of him, and one of the ways that I know I'm doing that is when I am making promises that I know don't have a 100% guarantee. See, if you're like me, you know what you struggle with? Speaking in a hyperbole. You know what I mean by that? Like making, oh, making, like being overly exaggerated. Oh yeah, man, we, I, can, I can do that. I can do this. What I've found in my life is when I start to operate in that way and I'm being impatient and it's manifesting itself by me just agreeing to everything, saying that I can do everything, I look and I'm like, man, I can always trace it back that I haven't prayed enough about that thing that I'm saying will happen. And James is saying, wait a minute, grow in patience. Don't run ahead of me. Don't make promises you can't keep. It's okay to say, man, that's a desire that I would love to have, but I don't know. I need to go to God with that. We need to trust God with that. And I wonder how many of us have made so many promises that we can't keep, and it's actually started to erode our testimony with others. Can't believe anything she says. Can't believe anything he says. Because we've allowed our impatience to drive our behavior. Because we're stressed. Because we're impatient with the process that God is doing in our lives in the moment. And we need to bring ourselves back to that first way that we grow in patience in the midst of life's problems. We need to take what we don't know and filter it through what we do know. Because oftentimes we do the opposite. We take what we do know and we filter it through what we don't know. And when we do that, our trust in God weakens. Our time with God weakens. Our testimony of God is weakened. I love Psalm 27. Of all the Psalms, Psalm 27 has probably been the Psalm that I know the best. It's Psalm 27 starts out, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. 
of whom shall I be afraid? And it goes on and on and on and on. But that psalm above every, any other psalm, it's been the psalm that when I'm in a spot where I'm struggling to deal with the difficulties and the uncertainties and the frustrations, and I want to rise up with impatience, and I want to operate out of impatience, and I want to take the frustrations out on those that I love that I most, and I want to take what I don't know to be the filter with what I do know, I'm convicted, and I go back and say, "Let me wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me remind myself of what I do know. Lord, you're my light, you're my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And it's interesting that that psalm ends with this verse, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You know what God wants you to do today? He wants you to be faithful with what you know you need to do today. He wants you to plant the seed that he knows that you know what that is. And he wants you to do it according to God's word, and he wants you to believe that God's going to send the rain. And when he doesn't send the rain, the when you want him to send the rain, you say to yourself, wait a minute, God, you're, there's a process here. I don't always understand it. I want to I wanna push up against it. But God, you're growing in me patience because, God, you're about growing champions not spoiled children that when they want it, they get it. When they want it. And let's encourage ourselves in that. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. Because I didn't see a hand in this place that raised their hand and said, Oh, I got this. Which tells me every one of us need to grow in this. So I'm going to give us a moment, and then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing. Because remember what I said, singing is not just singing. Singing is seeing the Lord for who he is. And I want us to take this last song that we sing, and I want it to be a filter for whatever you don't know. Because what we're going to sing is what we do know. Maybe you need to go home today and you need to apologize because you've taken your frustrations out on the ones that you've loved. Maybe you need to go to someone and you need to apologize and say, you know what, I've been presumptuous in my promises and I've been thinking that I'm Superman and I'm not and I've been making promises that I know I can't keep. Oh, I want that to happen, but I've, the reason why I've made that promise is I've been impatient. I don't know what it is. God does. You have the Holy Spirit if you're here today and you never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're going to be here in the lobby. We'll have people up in the front at the end of this service that would love nothing more than to tell you how to put your faith and trust in him.